0: The 90s was a huge boom period for the wrestling business, bringing in unfathomable TV ratings, insane merchandise numbers, and making the WWF and WCW the cool talking point of people who would previously give pro wrestling, you know, that side eye of disdain and mockery. This was a decade that offered up so many positives for fans when compared to the current landscape of the wrestling world. And with that in mind, I'm Andrew from Wrestling, and here's 10 ways wrestling was just better in the 90s. Number 10. It was less time consuming. If you want to fully keep up with WWE these days, you need to make yourself available for at least 5 hours every single week. Then there's premium live events, 2 days of Wrestlemania each year, and whether you wish to bother with NXT too. We're all wrestling fans here, but it can become a chore just to keep abreast with the current product. And that's solely if you just watch WWE. There's 5 hours a week of AEW, 2 hours of Impact, pay-per-views and other promotions such as New Japan, Noah, AAA, CMLL, ROH and the NWA, plus the various independent promotions who run shows through Fight TV and the like. To take WWE as an example, large parts of the 90s consisted of just one single hour of WWF Raw, before that show was bumped up to two hours, and obviously before Smackdown was introduced in 1999. Of course, there were supplemental shows such as WWF Superstars or Wrestling Challenge, but they weren't required viewing. Number 9. No crazy online fandom. Yes, the internet is clearly a fantastic tool that gives us the ability to watch any wrestling company from the comfort of our own homes, and puts the entire history of the industry at our fingertips. Along with those huge positives, though, we of course also have the ever fun world of online fandom. Not all online fandom is a cesspool, of course, but so much of it obviously is. Have something nice to say about a wrestler or a wrestling promotion? Well, you better be prepared to have a whole bunch of people wish heinous, horrible things on you and your family. It's a strange old world we live in today. A world where a certain corner of wrestling fandom revels in being awful without having any real accountability. Back in the nineties. In the pre-internet and early online days, you and your buddies could shoot the breeze about wrestling without having a bunch of strangers screaming obscenities in the background. There'd be nobody wishing death on you simply because you got a kick out of Tatanka versus Damien Demento on a September 93 edition of WWF Superstars. Number 8. Numerous Great Managers These days, there's not just a shortage of great managers, there's a shortage of managers period. Yes, Paul Heyman is one of the all-time greats, Don Callis does get nuclear heat, and names like Maria Canales and Prince Nana bring plenty. To the table. But did the likes of Karen Jarrett, Alex Abrahantes, Jose the Assistant, Mr. Stone, and Scarlett Bordeaux really stand out as game changers who audiences are fully invested in? Sadly not. In the 90s, there were so many legendary managers who played such an important role in the career of a talent and in the wider reaches of the wrestling product Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornette, Sensational Sherry, Miss Elizabeth, Jimmy Hart, Poorly Dangerously, Woman, Paul Ellering, Marlena, Theodore R. Long, Harley Race, Sonny, Ted DiBiase, The Genius, The Sinister Minister, Colonel Robert Parker, Bill Alfonso and Deborah. Yes, they're just some of the names who spring to mind, with several of those being easily in the conversation for the top 10 managers of all time. Number 7. Spoiler Free While WWE ushered in live weekly programming with the launch of Monday Night Raw back in 1993, the early 90s were the time when so much wrestling output was still pre-taped ahead of time. Nowadays, pre-taped shows just mean spoilers are everywhere. Back in the 90s though, that decade was so often spoiler free. Nowadays, people are forever wanting to know what what's about to happen and what's up next. While that same appetite may have been there somewhat in the 90s, there simply wasn't the means, for the most part, to have those spoilers available to you. Yes, outlets like PW Torch and the Wrestling Observer were a thing, but they were print publications that only the true, smart fans were aware of. Instead, the vast majority of fans only knew what was happening in wrestling by, you know, tuning in to watch wrestling. Did we know The Ultimate Warrior was returning at WrestleMania 8? Did we know that Lex Luger would shock the world by appearing on the first ever WCW Nitro? Did we know that Hulk Hogan would be the third Man and kickstart the NWO. No, we didn't, and that was part of what made those moments so special. Number six: the genuine shock value. To follow on from the wider spoiler topic, the 90s was just brimming with shock value. Nowadays, it's common knowledge that Jade Cargo was WWE-bound several weeks before it was announced. Likewise, we all knew that Edge's WWE deal was expiring and he'd not agree the renewal. After that, those stories of Brian Pillman Jr. being spotted at the WWE Performance Center well before his NXT arrival. Remove those reports though, and you've got some major shock right there. Jade randomly turning up at WWE Fastlane. That would be nuts. Edge catching us all off guard by appearing at the end of AEW Dream. That'd be even more insane. And Brian Pillman Jr. surprising us by being featured in the next NXT even yet Not as major as those other events, but it would still have been a welcome surprise from out of left field. In the 90s, such movements were from out of left field. That Lex Luger returned to WCW. Those initial appearances of Razor, Ramon and Diesel on WCW Nitro. The Giant turning up as Paul White at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. The Triple H led DX later bringing Sean will back into the folders. x back! All major shocks right there. If those things happened today, we'd all have been aware of them several weeks, if not months, before they took place.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f-
0: are you talking about,
2: you insane Hollywood ass.
0: Number 5, Legitimate Head-to-Head Competition Right, just to say, it's great to have AEW around these days, offering up some of the best pro wrestling on the planet, but to say AEW's genuine competition to WWE, that's a bit of a stretch. This is not a slight on AEW, so calm yourselves. It's just that WWE simply has had a huge head start on the promotion. As such, WWE is more history, has reached more homes for a vastly longer time period, and is a household name across the planet. To highlight the disparity between the two organisations, the highest viewership for AEW, Dynamite in 20- 23, as of this recording, is 1,028,000 people, whereas Raw's highest is 2,344,000, and SmackDown has hit 2,647,000. Again, this isn't indicative of the quality of the AEW product. WWE as a brand is simply far bigger and far more storied. AEW is minor competition with the potential for further growth, but we're far from seeing the WF and WCW pushing each other's buttons on a weekly basis and bringing in mammoth ratings. We saw how stacked NXT and Dynamite were when going head to head. Head earlier in the year, and how much interest and hype there was for both shows back in the 90s. That interest and hype was there for all to see as the WWF and WCW went directly up against one another on Monday nights. That head-to-head competition it keeps all parties on their toes. It means shows simply cannot be phoned in and pushes all involved to be better with their creative. Number four, it was destination television. Of course, viewing habits and sheer choice are vastly different today when compared to the 90s, but it's hard to fully appreciate how much wrestling became destination television. In the second half of that decade. When WCW Nitro launched, both that show and WWF Raw would bounce around the 2.5 million mark in their ratings. Skip ahead just 18 months, and it was commonplace to see both shows' viewership simultaneously hitting 4.5 million. There were freak weeks, such as Raw putting in 7.1 million, but the Monday Night Wars got to a point where Nitro and Raw would often share over 10 million between them, and would become immediate water cooler talk or the chatter of college campuses and schoolyards. Capturing the zeitgeist of the unique time period of the late 90s, WWF and WCW attracted non-wrestling fans and became cool to those who'd often poked fun at the industry. Granted, some of the car crash bucket or more questionable content of that time rightly wouldn't fly today. And it's not every day you wind up with a white-hot Steve Austin, a game-changing NWO, or a freak specimen like Bill Goldberg. Regardless, Austin, the NWO, Goldberg, and the energetic, crazy twists and turns of wrestling programming push the business to places in the mainstream consciousness that's nowadays unthinkable. Number three, a rotating WWF main event scene. Hulk Hogan and famously headlined seven of the first eight WrestleManias. Eight of the first nine, if you count that ridiculous conclusion to WrestleMania 9. Hey, I'm still not over that. And even the one Mania where Hulk wasn't wrestling in the main event, he still managed to hog poor Randy Savage's spotlight during the close of WrestleMania 4. While not quite as stale and stagnant as the Hulkster's latter WWF days, brother, that Roman Reigns' headline seven of the past nine WrestleManias, one of which he missed due to the global pandemic, paints quite the telling picture. In the 90s, though, there was a freshness to the main event scene, particularly in the WWF. The decade started with Hogan, Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage, with The Undertaker getting his first taste at the top of the card, Ric Flair came and went, before Bret Hart got the opportunity to lead a new charge that would see Yokozuna, Shawn Michaels, Diesel and Psycho Sid all headline major pay-per-views and win world championships. Of course, then came along the Attitude Era, where Stone Cold Steve Austin was joined in the main event scene by The Rock, Triple H, Kane and eventually The Big Show, all whilst Mick Foley was another who had cemented as a top guy by that point in time. And throughout all of this, The Undertaker was still clearly kicking around as a significant player. Even over in W. WCW, the main event scene was a relatively rotating one. Yes, Sting was forever Mr WCW, and yes, Hulk Hogan was always around the world title once he joined the company. But that decade saw Vader, Ron Simmons, Ricky Steamboat, Sid Vicious, Ric Flair, Ravishing Rick Rude, Lex Luger, Randy Savage, The Giant, Roddy Piper, Kevin Nash, Goldberg, Bret Hart and DDP all on headlining duties. Number 2. Early 90s WCW banged hard When wrestling fans think of the 90s, the first thing that comes to mind is the Monday Night Wars, or possibly, for those of a certain age, Bret. Hart and Shawn Michaels heading up the new generation. What often gets overlooked though, is just how damn great WCW was at the start of the decade, prior to Hulk Hogan arriving in 1994, and way before Kevin Nash and Scott Hall rocked up in 96. In Sting, WCW had an energetic, exciting, authentic babyface who made for the perfect poster boy. With such a wide variety of heels to play off, be that the genuinely terrifying Vader, the unhinged Cactus Jack, the Rolls Royce sheen of Rick Rude, or frankly just anything to do with the Dangerous Alliance, it was so easy for this Stinger to draw sympathy. The way from those names, you had a stacked roster of legitimate top single stars like Ricky Steamboat, Barry Wyndham, Nikita Koloff, and between WWF stints, Rick Flair, Sid Vicious, Davey Boy Smith, and Lex Luger, throwing rising stars such as stunning Steve Austin, Brian Pillman, Two Code Scorpio, Dustin Rose, Lord Steven Regal, Johnny B. Bath, and Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Yes, really. And there was so much to be excited about. And while the singles ranks provided so much brilliant action, it would be utterly remiss not to make mention of the likewise stacked tag team ranks of early 90s WCW with heavy hitters such as the Steiner Brothers, Harlem Heat, the Road Warriors, Doom, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, the Fabulous Freebirds, the Enforcers, the Nasty Boys, Terry Gordon, Steve Williams, and of course, the wonderful Hollywood Blondes, all getting their time to shine. Early 90s WCW man, forever an overlooked period of glorious pro wrestling gold. Number 1. Those Stage Sets Sure, WWE goes hard for WrestleMania, and there is the occasional gem such as this year's Backlash from Puerto Rico, but the stage set up in wrestling right now largely just feels so formulaic. In the WWE sense, Raw, SmackDown, and The poker pay-per-views are all the exact same setup, just with varied colour schemes in play. Over in AEW, there's likewise such a generic, bland approach to all of this. Yes, the double or nothing stack of giant poker chips was fun, but everything else has mainly been utterly dull. Great wrestling sets weren't exclusive to the 1990s, of course, but that decade had so many more exciting, unique setups when compared to today, particularly during the second half of the 90s. Think of WCW's Bash at the Beaches, Halloween Havocs, and the outside, unique settings of those road wilds. Heck, think the electric design of WCW Nitro, or even those futuristic sets of WCW Saturday Night. Over in the WWF back then, there was that totally badass Armageddon 99 set. There was a devilish SummerSlam 98 design. There was the famed In Your House set. There was fully loaded 99. And I will always die on the particular hill that WrestleMania 9 looked absolutely stunning. And that's not taking into account the various redesigns that Monday Night Raw underwent throughout the decade, or how mesmerizing that first SmackDown stage was. So, that's 10 ways wrestling was just better in the 90s. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, turn those notification bells on, and come, and give us a follow on x at whatcoachwwe by well, there you can find myself at coach left but most importantly just be sure to have the best possible day whether you're doing something or absolutely nothing i really do hope it goes well for you and if things aren't going so well for you right now i really do hope they turn around as soon as possible i've Nigel andrew from What Coach Wrestling, and i'll catch you down the road